0: So uh, I've been sitting there you know, listening to the different teachings and poems and songs and feeling very deeply moved by the, you know, the depth of love and connection to this earth. And as, as each person's speaking, speaking, well, you'll probably be able to see behind me now, looking out at this, these beautiful leaves of the trees, with the sun shining on them. You know, they're making their food there. And uh, those leaves, nourishing the tree, it's all happening right now as we're sitting here. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to grow up in a very rural part of Wales, an ancient land, uh, where the land is still considered sacred. And where the local people, when the military were trying to take over uh, what was known as a sacred mountain, the local people came out, the religious people and the farmers and the ordinary folks came out and they demanded that this uh, land was given back. This land was sacred. And after quite some um, uh, discussions and some demonstrations and some very strong-willed Welsh folks, the the land was given back. So this is still considered sacred land. And uh, I realised that there aren't so many places in the Western world where we really understand the sacredness of this earth and so I'm very, uh, I feel very fortunate to have grown up in a place where that is, is, is understood. And it's as though we are kind of reclaiming that. You know, the, we Western people who have uh, valued so highly the intellect and individualism and uh, uh, progress as we call it. Um, it's as though now we're beginning to remember again where we come from and the the sacredness of of the earth. And it may sound a little bit uh, funny to hear a Buddhist nun talking about the sacredness of the earth. Because, um, you know, the Buddha speaks speaks about the emptiness of all things. Everything is impermanent. Nothing belongs to us. It's all empty. And one of the, the aspects that, you know, when I was thinking about what to speak about today, what came up for me quite strongly was the I hope you don't mind me saying, but the the apathy in the Buddhist world around uh, the climate change issue—that there's that there's uh, a lot of kind of resistance to to looking at it. So I realize that all of you are here because you're not resistant, but many many people there are these reasons why it's it's seen as not relevant in the Buddhist world. You know, so a sense of all things are impermanent. So of course, you know, the Earth is going to die at one point. Of course we're going to die at one point. So why bother? Why bother getting involved? Or it could also be um, not knowing how to deal with the emotions it brings up. I mean, I've had a lot of things evoked through this day. I've been very moved through this day and, and uh, in, in many positive ways and also kind of heartbreaking to hear about Alberta and, and heartening to hear about uh, ne- Nebraska. and So... It can also be a sense of like not wanting to go there, not wanting to go into that emotional realm, but to stay kind of centred and calm and equanimous. <laughs> because it looks really, you know, it looks like a, a kind of a safe place to dwell, but it isn't a safe place to dwell. If one isn't open to the realities of what is going, what are going on in the world. And there's a story that comes to my mind in the, from the suttas uh, of a, in the Buddha's time when the Buddha was visiting a group of monks who had been living together for some time. He would travel around and visit different monks and nuns who were practicing together in India just check out how they're doing, if they're, if they're on track. And he went to this group of monks and uh, with Venerable Ananda, his, his, his cousin and uh, attendant. And you know he had, you have to walk everywhere, so he walked to this place, and, and he found there amongst these group monks, there was a, there was one monk in a hut, who was sick, and he was lying in his own dysentery, and the other monks were out doing what they're doing, going on arms round and, and <laughs> meditating, and and this monk was just lying there, in his own excrement, just sort of abandoned, and so the Buddha, who more than anyone in the world understood the empty nature of all things. The, um, the fact that these, this body, these feelings, these thoughts, perceptions, sense, experience are not me and mine. Who understood that more profoundly than anybody else on the planet. He, his response to this, this monk lying there in his excrement was to ask his attendant to go and get some water. And then, with his own hands, bathed, bathed this man. He bathed him, cleaned off the, the dirt, changed the sheets, made him comfortable. And then went to the monks and asked, "Why is this man lying here like this?" And they said, "Well, you know, he's sick. You know, we, we've he can't do anything. He's of no value. So we just let him. We're just, we're just leaving him there. You know, he'll he'll die. So we can't do anything about it. So we're just leaving him there." And the the Buddha really you know, strongly scolded those monks and said, You know, the, it, the, this, he is your family now. You've gone forth. He is your family. You must take care of him until his, until his last breath. So that really touches me, this story. And you know, the, the Buddha, who so deeply knew the emptiness of all things, also so deeply knew the importance of taking care, of loving, of caring, of taking care of. And he lived those two truths. And, and when I think of that story, I, somehow for me, you know, it, it, it has a kind of parallel to the situation we are in now in this, uh, on this planet Earth where we've, you know, we've taken so much from her. We've, we've mined and you know, cut off tops of mountains and pouring poisons into the Earth to get out more gas. I mean, it's insane, it's insane really, what we're doing. We've been doing it for a very long time, and, and over the decades, we've become, you know, we've become more conscious of what we are doing. I think at one time it wasn't really clear, but the mass scale of the the uh, destruction that we're causing as a human race is is known, and yet we're still doing it. And it's, and I see that like, just like that monk who's lying there in his own experiment, it's like we're leaving the earth in that state. Mm-hmm. And do we want to do that? Are we just going to leave it like that and say? well, there's nothing I can do about it, it's all too much, I'm, I'm just going to get on with my practice. Or are we going to turn and get our hands dirty? You know? So uh, it's, it's not easy to turn towards the situation we're in, and Ayasantuska very soon will tell us uh, some of the <laughs> ways we can meet and address the situation we're in. It's not easy, we have to get our hands dirty. It might smell bad. It might make us feel a little bit difficult in turn our stomach sometimes or we might feel we can't we can't quite manage it it's, it's it's frightening we don't feel that we've got the the means the skills but just take a step just take a step and th- and things start to open up people start to connect together and uh, even uh, if you if you feel you really can't do very much you if you like this beautiful Song that you sang. You know, if we sing together, then we have great strength. We can do great things. And um, you know, to me, this this is an this is an ethical issue. You know, it's it's not. Uh, there's no doubt that this Earth had a beginning. It's going through a process, and it will have an end. This has always been the case. There's no doubt that each one of us who has been born will go th- is, and is going through our life will die. There is no. Question about that. So this isn't about eternal life or making things last forever, but this is about responding in a an ethical way, in a loving way, in a compassionate way, and you know holding that truth of emptiness, holding that truth of impermanence while we do it. So we're not doing it in a desperate way or in a in a frightened way or trying to make everything all right, but we're doing it out of love and and compassionate responsiveness, because it's simply is the right thing to do. And because once we know the state of the, of the situation, we can't really get on with our life. We can't really just go home and pretend it's all fine. We can't. This is where the anxiety comes from. This is where the, the, the addictions come from, you know, because we, we're trying to not feel the enormity of the situation. So using the skillful means that the Buddha gave us, we need to turn and look and face and step into the situation that we are in. And like I say, you know, the Buddha spoke about world expansion and world contraction. There's a whole sutta going on about the, you know, the demise of the, of the human race through, through following greed, hatred and delusion. We're witnessing it, we're in the midst of it. And then the, also the, the the whole planet Earth, you know, f- falling apart and then coming into being again, and and this this happens. This is natural. But there's also what we're doing, what the human race has done and is doing, that is speeding up that process so rapidly. So that's uh, the part that we can meet and respond to. So I hope that uh, between us we'll. Um, be able to offer some suggestions of how each one of us can respond.
1: Mm. I, is this okay? is this work? off? Now, does it work? Let it does work, yeah? yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to speak um, a bit about, you know, the crisis, you know, which is, is kind of building up and that this crisis has a purpose. And, uh, you know, if we have, you know, enough resilience to turn towards, you know, what is happening inside and outside of ourselves, you know, if we can really recognize that what's going on is not just like a coincidence, but we are in a certain stage, you know, of the of the evolution of consciousness and the external situation actually comes to our aid, you know, to create that sense of pressure which we seem to need in order to, uh, you know, have enough sense of urgency to really um, pay attention. And, you know, it's not the first time since, you know, this planet is uh, spinning and since there's life on this planet, since over three billion years, there have been always again and again, you know, phases of great uh, pressure, which have been uh, creating you know, such a shift that, uh, you know, new forms of being came came to life. And, and we as a, as a species now, you know, we have that opportunity to use the situation to uh, renew ourselves, to renew our ways of relating to life you know to to come out of that myth of of separation really which we have been you know in terms of the evolutionary progression we are not doing anything wrong i mean it's this is exactly how it's supposed to be but we can't stop here at that point we have to keep going because otherwise we just uh, go on to disappear from the face of the earth and the earth will of course, go on and other life forms will follow. so it's really up to us what we want to do with the situation we have. and I really think the most important thing is you know to develop the inner strength and the resilience so that we can use what's happening for the benefit of ourselves and for all beings you know we're living together with on this planet and you know how we do this? I mean, the most important thing is you know, to develop the resilience to, to take in what's happening. And in order you know, to have that resilience, I think we have to try as good as we can you know, to live a life which is congruent with what we know to be true. Because if we you know, increase that congruency, we'll have an increased uh, sense of, of self respect, a sense of strength. A sense of peace. And then, you know, from that increased sense of strength, we have increased uh, opportunity, you know, to, to make a difference. And it's, it's a spiral, you know, which, which can lead us towards, you know, ever greater sense of connectedness. And I think, James, you were speaking about this morning, you know, in the beginning, James for two years, you know, he thought he didn't know what to do, and he felt confused and depressed and all kinds of things. If I understood you right, I mean, it was be the same. And then you started, you know, made one step and another step, and then connected with some people and with these people and other. And suddenly, you know, seeing you are not, we are not alone in this, and there are so many people actually who are waking up to this. And if we work together, we can, you know, evoke energies and and uh, powers, you know, which are far greater than the sum total of the beings who are together in this. So I really have strong faith in that because you know, this process of, of life evolving on the planet is going on for so long and I don't have to sort it all out, you know, I don't have to have a plan but I have to get out of the way and I have to look through my own confusion and my own you know, distortions which I'm, you know, getting hijacked into by those strong emotions. So it's very important, you know, to have a, a good practice so that we can stay centered, but not centered in a way that we are cutting off, because this is not really centeredness, this is just escapism. But I mean, really really being centered means, you know, to let all of that come through me and to honor the pain, as Joanna Macy says, you know, to honor my pain for the world and not think that there's anything wrong with it. But then, you know, not stopping there, going down with the pain, you not know, getting all depressed. That's just the first step. But then, you know, if we can hold steady with it and recognize that we, we are not alone in that, it starts to change because it's the dark night, as someone said before, and then that pain transforms into a strength. And then from that strength, you know, we can give our gifts. And we don't have to sort it all out, you just do your thing. And if you don't know what your thing is, then Aya Santusika has a whole list of things. <laughs> <laughs> so we
2: can are we on? Are we on? Oh yeah. I'm always the sister with the list. <laughs> so we—I I gave my list to you. You'll see it on the side. That's—it's not only mine. We worked together to create a concrete action, and I'm going to talk about concrete action after we get the uh, presentation of But I want to tell you that there are. I've gone through lots of phases, too, with regard to this whole area, and um, including the the phase where I'm being told, well, be be careful. (laughs) That was a warning, I think. (laughs) Be careful. You know, you might get to be known as the activist nun.
3: Exactly.
4: <laughs>
2: right action on climate, what can we do? Hello? Hello? I don't think this is working. I wonder why. Okay, so can you go back to... No, this part's not... Do work. you have to aim at this way? Oh, you did the
3: computer. Yeah, Hold you. on, just a second.
2: I think it got moved. (laughs) It'll come back. There we go. Okay, your list is in front of you. My fondest wish is that when you take this list, with oh, a little technical difficulty outside our control. Um, My fondest list. My fondest list. My. My fondest wish is that when you take this list with you, you'll, you'll circle some items and you'll make a commitment. Now, I don't know if you've heard the word Aditan. Aditan is a Pali word. And I was just told today that the adit part means higher. And ton means to stand on or a foundation. It's a way to stand higher. So an aditan is like a commitment except it's a commitment you don't put down. You know, give yourself a time frame, you keep it for that period, and you do it. So these one there are a number of things on this list, and I want to talk through them just to give you an idea that it's, you know, maybe you're already doing some of these things, you probably are, but there might be some others there that would be a stretch. They certainly were for me a stretch, and it took... A commitment to go ahead and do it so one of the first steps is to become knowledgeable about this area and you've gone a long way with that already but I wanted to recommend three sources that are worth looking at one of the papers that I was quoting from this morning is from the American Association of Advancement of Science and it's called what we know that's a worthwhile one to read Watching the Do the Math movie that's put out by Bill McGibbon and 350org is very, very worthwhile. You can find it on Wimeo. And this article by Margaret Klein, who's a climate psychologist, was really helpful to me. Our society is living a massive lie about, climate, about the threat of climate change and it's time to wake up. And this is what really helped me understand how to live in climate truth and how to tell the truth. Because at first it's hard to break the ice on that and actually talk about it with people. So speaking in line with truth means that if somebody, you know, says, oh, this is natural, these changes happen, then I, Then I got the courage, thanks to Margaret, to step up and say something about that in a kind way, in an informative way, in a way that gathers in rather than alienates, hopefully. I'm still practicing on that. Um, (laughs) Speaking up when people, every once in a while I want to, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking up when people say things that you know are not true, connecting the dots between climate change and the conditions we're experiencing. You know, someone said to me, but they're having really cold weather over there. And of course, that's the problem with calling it global warming. Most climate activists now call it climate change. Or um, one friend told me in Canada they're calling it climate weirding. LAUGHTER so, so really just speaking out, like Margaret in her article, she says, if someone said, isn't it weird weather, what if, you know, you know if that's on Facebook, what if, what if, you know, 45 people wrote back and said, that's climate change, honey. <laughs> okay. This is, I think, in one way, in some ways, the most exciting time in all of human history. Now why would I say that? Not because I'm into drama, But it's exciting because it's the very first time ever that everyone on this planet, all human beings, are facing the same threat. Always before, it's been one group against another. One group stands to gain and another group stands to lose. And even the people who think they're gaining aren't really because the world that is being created is not going to be nice for anybody. So what that means is we can gather people in. We can talk to the people around us, we can talk to the people we're connected to, and we can talk to the people we're not connected to. I, I was invited up to Canada to do some teaching, and I, I was invited to British Columbia to teach in uh, Port towns in Washington first, and then Salt Spring Island and Victoria. And then from there, I was, in, I was uh, going to Alberta. I was going to teach the Dhamma, I went with the themes, love, devotion, and determination. So I taught a day long on Salt Spring Island on that topic. And when I opened the floor for questions, the very first question was about climate change. How do we bring those teachings into climate change? I don't think they were prepared for what they got. (laughs) (laughs) And that night in Victoria, Someone in the back of the room said, I heard you talked about climate change on Salt Spring Island. I'm like, were you there? (laughs) No, (laughs) grapevine. Would you talk about that some more? Then the people in British Columbia told me, well, we're very progressive. We're very, very in touch with environmental issues. And we always have been, but everybody east of us wants the tar sands. So I thought what it's gonna be when I land in Calgary, you know, tar sands central what am I gonna find what I found were people who were very much opposed to the tar sands Uh, one uh, social worker uh, wife of a minister both retired after 35 40 years in their work said no people of faith want the tar sands I started learning that we can think very easily think those people over there Those people with that political leaning, those people with that religion, those people with those ideas, they're outside of of the group that's going to understand. When people realize what's happening, I realize it takes more than talk. But there's a point at which people understand, and some of them understand now more than we know. So I just have noticed in myself when I start thinking, well, I can't talk to them about that. I just override it. Do it anyway, it's very surprising. Invite people to commit to take action. One of the most wonderful things about this work is participating in these organizations. Every time I do it, I am uplifted. I am so impressed with how peaceful the people are doing these actions, how loving, how much people care about the planet and the beings on it. And they're not they're not Buddhists, some of them are. But it doesn't matter. We connect at the heart level about all of what's going on. And doing things together is it's it's fun, it's exciting. It relieves, it absorbs the anxiety and the fear. So you can connect. So I, I'm these these groups they have my contact information and they send me things online and i sign the petitions and then i go out and i participate in rallies and you can do that too and you'll know which groups you know when you read what they write you'll know if you resonate with it or not if it's got a really peaceful loving sound or if it's like got an edge to it and All of these actions need people who will come out with a solid, peaceful base. So you're really needed in this. Coming out with your practice. Being a source of stability. This is really important. The online petitions make a difference, and then you can write some actual letters. Oh. I ascended Chita, and I walked across the bridge. This was when the n- Nurses United came out in the thousands and spoke out against climate change and the concerns they have for the human health. And then uh, walking across the Golden Gate and back was great with my sister. It's good to do things together. We can persuade our government. It's important to write letters. The ones that you send through the regular mail have more of an impact. We can meet with our officials. You know, you can create a relationship with your representatives, with your officials at every level. Go to their office with a group, with a group of people with concerns. Those people are concerned too, and they're under a lot of pressure to do other things than the right thing. So what do you do when a friend is doing the wrong things? You bring equanimity and you try to help them get on the right track. We can feel that way about everybody. There's there's an action coming up actually that's gonna be important. Um, The hearings are gonna start in June and July at at the uh, California State Assembly for a bill that's called SB 52 California Disclose Act. Now this is a very important part of the whole picture because disclosure of who's paying for ads, political ads, is very, very important. We need clean money in the political process and not the translation of a great deal of wealth into a great deal of power in our government. So this is an important piece. You can find out more at cadisclose.org. We need to resist business as usual, and I know that may sound like a tall order because we're all kind of caught in this web. However, we can do everything that we can to speak out against the continued um, extreme fossil fuel extraction in all of its forms. And we can even write letters to companies you know, there are some companies that really do care and they're really doing sound <coughs> environmental things and then there are other companies who are greenwashing.
4: What's
0: that mean?
2: Greenwashing is when they say the right words and they act like they're going green and they do exactly the wrong things and they <coughs> really are doing it as a ruse. So you have to notice that and, and watch out for it. That's another reason why it's really valuable to be connected in with activist groups because you learn what's really going on. You've got friends who are seeing things. and You get to understand what's actually happening. This was the rally against fracking. We want fracking banned in California. We, the fossil fuel companies are salivating over the Monterey Shale. The Monterey Shale is on the San Andreas Fault. Oh. It's creating, fracking is creating earthquakes in places like England and Arkansas where they never had earthquakes before. Fracking is hydraulic fracturing. They force with great pressure millions of gallons of water down these wells with toxic chemicals and break apart the rocks below in order to get the natural gas or oil out of there. It poisons the land it poisons the water. The last thing we need to do in California is send, what did you say, Karen, how many? Million. It's millions, millions and millions of. Millions fossils. of gallons of oil down a fracking well. 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 And the water is contaminated, well. it cannot be recovered. Yeah. And the land gets contaminated. So if you've watched Gasland, anybody? And Gasland 2, yeah? Josh <laughs> Fox told us on a conference call um, not long ago, exactly pre- preparing for this rally, that he said everywhere he goes where there's fracking, fossil fuel industry people walk out with money in their pockets and every the, the land, the people's property is destroyed. It's just destruction in the wake. Josh, Fo- Josh Fox got involved because he was minding his own business, living on his little place in Pennsylvania when someone knocked on their door and wanted to lease his property for fracking. When he started looking into it, he's a filmmaker, and he started looking into it and he found out how horrible this is and, and then made these films, which were actually, were, they're great, they're great. It really helps us understand what's going on. These are things that the fossil fuel industry doesn't really want us to understand. So this rally, at, at Sac, so this is Sacramento, the Capitol building, and there were 3,000 or so people who showed up A friend of mine who works with the government, he's actually working hard on this clean money issue. He said, when 3,000 people show up, government officials pay attention. Every time I go to one of these things, I think, wouldn't it be great to have 30,000 people out here? We could have 30,000 people out here. Nobody would be able to ignore that. And a lot of people say, but I'm not an activist. And that's, that's OK. You don't have to be an activist. All you have to do is show up and walk around with your friends and smile and be peaceful and happy. And you, know, you might want to carry a sign or not.
3: <laughs> New York did
2: it. We can, too. Grassroots organizing. That's all there was to hold fracking out of New York State. And they're still holding it out of New York State. There's no fracking in New York State at this time. It's a moratorium and not a ban. They need a ban, but Pennsylvania has got fracking all over, just across the river. So it's not because the fossil fuel industry hasn't been wanting to get into New York. It's because the people have said no. And that's what we need to do in California, is say no. You get all these signs, Americans against fracking. Californians against fracking, (laughs) farmers against fracking. You know, don't think you don't belong in this. (laughs) (laughs) The world watches California. Now, um, recently, a number of us involved in the Dharma teachers climate group had a conference call with Kumi Nedo, who's the executive director of Greenpeace International. Fantastic person, fantastic organizer, fantastic human, oh, bodhisattva. And one of the things that he said, many things that he said that were important, but one of the things he said is, he said, if the United States goes to renewable energy, I guarantee China will follow. That was really encouraging because a lot of people say well it doesn't really matter that much what we do because there's china and there's india and they're all the world still looks to the united states whether we like it or not whether it's a good idea or not Um, and we have the ability to move to entirely renewable energy this is part of that's so frustrating but we're not you know for the reasons we talked about before but we can And if the world is watching that, guess who watches California? It's the rest of America. How many other things have we started over here? So we have this wonderful opportunity. We have a responsibility. If 30,000 Californians came out at Sacramento, the world would notice. Oh. (laughs) You never know where these nuns might go. (laughs) Oh! Oh! Do you know who that is? Venerable Bodhi. This was mentioned before. He doesn't usually wear a cowboy hat. But he told me, he he went to this rally in Washington, D.C. to stop fracking. And he said it was so incredibly hot, he couldn't stand it. And someone gave him a cowboy hat. I love that photo. He's one of my heroes. Because he's got the Dhamma down in his bones. He knows more about the Pali Canon than anybody I know on the planet. He can can tell us everything about why we should be doing this. Every reason that's in the Dhamma. And he's out there doing it. Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi was mentioned earlier. He's probably the foremost translator of the Pali texts into English. You look like a movie star. I'll tell him. (laughs) He's also, he's also the founder and chairman of Buddhist Global Relief. So he's, he's, he's an amazing man. Okay. Now, there are a lot of personal, personal choices that we can make in our own life. Taking every opportunity to reduce the use of fossil fuels, reduce, reuse, compost, recycle. Someone handed me a piece of paper as I walked out before and said um, they wanted to suggest a book Meat and Tony, Tony, me, meat, meat something about meat. Meat and Meat thank you. 57, 51% of climate change is from animal agriculture. Mm-hmm. And government subsidies exceed for the meat industry, exceed that for the fossil fuel industry. <coughs> I'd like to know more, but I do know, I've been a vegetarian for a really long time. I would encourage any reduction in meat we can make. And buying local and organic. One of the things that I think is really important, yes?
4: Um, being vegetarian is just the same as
3: eating meat. It's really the animal production that's. The
2: <coughs> so being vegan is helpful, being vegetarian is not. Being vegetarian is not because of the dairy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because of all the animals it still requires. You know, yeah. Because of dairy. Yeah. So the fact that I don't use dairy hardly at all it probably helps. Agriculture is a very heavily fossil fuel-oriented and chemical-oriented business also. We need to really support um, organic local farming, yeah. We need to support the people who have a different vision about business, a different vision about how we can relate to each other. When you find someone like that, give them your money. I mean, for their goods, but still, you know, um, there's, a young woman, there's a woman I know who has a nail salon, and the way she treats the people who work there, the way she treats her customers, it's really exemplary. I, I went to a print shop one day, and the way the person operates with the customers there, you know that they put people above profit. There are companies that are larger that do this. Patagonia comes to mind. Credo Mobile, if you haven't switched from AT&T yet, (laughs) they'll even buy out the contract. So that's important, noticing this new vision that we need to make into a reality about how we interact with each other, how we trade with each other, how we work together. And gratitude is the best attitude. So the gratitude for having people in our lives to share this with, having the opportunity to go out and make a difference, having the opportunity to call our representative and have the staff person on the phone say, thank you so much for calling. We're getting a lot of calls about this. I am so happy to pass this on to representative so-and-so. It's very, very uplifting and encouraging. Now, Do we still have time for
4: questions? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. We live up up in Sacramento, actually, and um, it's hot there. And uh, we recently had a solar company come out to look at our house, and they said, well, you can have solar, but you have to cut down these trees. And I said, well, I'm not willing to cut down my trees because the trees shade my house. And if I cut down the trees that shade my house, then my house will get hot and then I can use my solar to run my air conditioner. (laughs) So, you know, I just feel like there's so many choices. Like in the cars we buy, we can buy an electric car, and then you're still struggling with where's the electric coming from. And, um, you know, Roseville Electric is offering rebates to cash in your refrigerator for a new lower you know, energy-efficient model, but then I'm like, well, but what a waste that I'm not utilizing this refrigerator to its full life, right? And so it's interesting to me how I'm just kind of constantly having to choose, you know, what what is the greater evil? And I just read an article about, you know, cloth diapers versus disposable diapers, and they they went through this whole process about, you know, disposable diapers going to the dump versus the water necessary to wash the, the cloth diapers. And, and it came out as a wash at the end of that article. They were like, you know what, there, there's no good choice there. So I just kind of want to ask people how they feel about, about some of these choices that we have. And, and you know, sometimes I don't feel like there are good choice. you know. I t- kept my trees, by the way.
1: We have eight minutes left. Do you mind if
2: I answer this question? Thank you for that, I think those are true dilemmas for people who, all of us who care. I would, my my personal take on it is do the best you can without worrying about it a whole lot and put your energy into the, the big pieces because it's not individuals that are gonna say no to the fossil fuel companies, it's not even individuals putting solar on their houses. It's important to do it if you can. I'm not trying to minimize it. But we need to put pressure on our governments to make the changes because it's governments that are going to say no to these big interests. Mm-hmm. And that's where the big problem is. Mm-hmm. So I would really pay attention to do what you can, but don't get too bogged down in the small detail. Mm-hmm. Karen?
3: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, there is a really uh, good book that the Union of... Concerned scientists just put out within the past year, cooler, cooler, smarter, and you can get it from their website, the Union of Concerned Scientists. And okay. I mean that book goes through all those dilemmas and tells you they figured it out data wise, and
2: they tell you which way to go.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> was it
2: called? <laughs> maybe not all the dilemmas. There's another question over here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the Cooler Smarter. The book is Cooler Smarter put out by the Union of Concerned Scientists to help with our dilemmas.
1: Do we have a microphone somewhere? Lady in the back.
2: Okay. There's there's one over here and one over here and I one back there. Can we so. Oh, you're you're ready. I okay. just I just
3: wanted to tag on what you said about contacting people and you can also do that in your local grocery stores or your coffee shop if they're having practices that you don't like the more you let the upper people know not the staff because they're not in a position to do anything but if you take the time to write an email or a letter if there's enough of you that makes a difference so i just wanted
4: to tag on yeah to that thank you thank you thank
3: you There's one organization which hasn't been mentioned yet, and that's uh, Movetoamend.org. And what they're all about is amending the Constitution so that corporations are no longer treated like people, with the rights of people. And this is an organization that Pachamama is super, super behind. I just took the Game Changer Intensive with Pachamama Alliance, and they're... Uh, they have advised or recommended that that is one of the organizations that can, if we get behind that whole movement, can yeah. really make That's a very huge important. Yeah. difference. Yeah. Because, and they showed us uh, how the the rights of cor- corporation. Oh, well, I'm probably going on too long, but I'll just say two more sentences. Originally, corporations in the 19th century were started to serve a need, and then they were dissolved. Yep. Wow. And over time... There was legislation which gave them more and more power. Now they have more power than any of us.
2: Actually, we, we've had an oligarchy before, and it got broken apart with antitrust laws, and that's what we need again. That was in the early 19th century, or the early 20th century. And so we can do that again in a peaceful way.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, two quick things. One is that anybody who has a bank account or a checking account... Can uh, put that money in credit unions and small local banks who are investing in the community rather than in the big five banks that are investing in mountaintop removal. Yeah, I'm and very more glad coal. you brought that
2: up. Is divestment on that list? Because I think I missed yes, it in the presentation. Yes, no,
1: it's, on, it's in the presentation was in the presentation? Yeah, but you didn't read it
2: out. It I didn't it. read it out. OK, divestment out of fossil fuels is very important. And what she's talking about is moving your money into credit unions and local um, banks so that the money is invested locally. So it's not invested in the kinds of practices that we know are not good for our planet. Thank you. And the
3: other uh, question is, in presenting this to people, um, People who eat meat are very dedicated to eating meat, and are you know would find this easy to dismiss if they're told they have to stop eating meat. And frankly, I don't understand why they need to. How does uh, how does it ameliorate climate change to not eat meat?
2: I think I'm going to put you in touch. Never mind. <laughs> no, I d- it it is a recommendation, but I understand what you're saying. I think it's good to say, you know, see if you can eat less. The, the problem with the meat industry is that there is a tremendous amount of methane produced for meat and dairy industry. And it's, uh, methane is actually a worse polluter. It's, it's not as long-acting in the atmosphere, but it's a, it's a more uh, harmful greenhouse gas than, than CO2. So this is, this is, now that we have more people on the planet eating meat and dairy, as, as people in other countries, China and India, are starting to kind of, you might say some people call it going up the food chain, uh, having more discretionary, discretionary income, more income that they can apply to these things, and want, they want more meat and dairy. And so we're producing, and we have many more animals on the planet than we used to have.
1: Also the forests, which, which are cut down. Yeah, you know, and, and, grazing and land for cutting the down
2: forests. And so it's mm-hmm. definitely a climate... Clim- it, it has serious climate impact. I have a question okay.
1: about that. What about eggs? Yeah. I was thinking the same. Also, I the, I the, I the, the amount of, uh, uh, of feed yeah. which is grown, you know, to mm-hmm. feed those animals, <laughs> if that would feed human beings, it would be much more effective, so... The, you know, if, if the, the cereal goes to the animals in order to produce eggs what well, it takes away what people could eat, you know it's not effective in that sense and it produces and it is very cruel on the animals I mean the way how they are held is like slavery basically I think you noticing
2: see? how the animals are cared for is important and also it, I am not saying that people need to stop eating meat, dairy and eggs but cutting back is helpful, and it's also helpful for our own health. So if we do what's healthy for our bodies, I think that's going to be healthier for the planet, too.
4: There's a wonderful movie coming out called Fed Up, F-E-D, Up. And it's um, this Friday and Saturday at the San Francisco Film Festival, and then it's going to be an opening nationwide. And it's going to hopefully create
0: a movement.
1: Can think we we have one more question. Now?
0: Think we have to finish.
3: We
1: now, have to finish okay. now, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you so much for your interest.
0: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma
3: Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.